Howdy, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Before I say anything, I just want to say thank you to so many of you, probably all of you. I don't know. So many of you have been so kind to Katie and I over the last few weeks as uh, Katie gave birth to our third child, Louis Martin Votberg, baby Louie is what we call him. And you have all been so kind in reaching out to Katie or to me just to congratulate us and give us words of encouragement and, uh, and I guess of instruction and wisdom. And we're really grateful for that. You guys have done that via YouTube comments or direct messages on Instagram to Katie and I. And you've also done it in the comment or I guess in the review section of this podcast. So many of you are so kind to leave ratings and reviews on this podcast. We love that. It literally like it feels like it's like our oxygen. Katie and I, we just like live on your guys' encouragement. So thank you so much. And in this episode, it's even more fun because we got to interact interact with many of you and that we did a Q&A. Katie did a Q&A poll on her Instagram and you all asked some really fun questions. And so Katie and I are going to take some take turns. We're going to take some turns. We're going to take turns answering some of these questions. And, uh, and so I hope you enjoy it. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. So excited we're back here on the podcast. This is something Elisha and I love to do. So glad we're here. And we're going to be answering your questions that you asked over on Instagram. My Instagram is now that I'm a mother. And that is where I asked you guys, like, what do you want to know? We just got back from a road trip, like, last night. Yeah, it was last night. Yeah. And so we had to record today, and we were like, Oh, great. We were kind of scrambling. And so we were like, let's see what they want to hear. And so it was really fun to get all your questions. It was. Yeah, you guys kind of bailed us out as far as the topic of this week's podcast. (laughs) Exactly. So anyways, we're just going to jump right in. Um, and we're to popcorn back and forth. So. Yeah, we're going to kind of take turns and basically Katie's going to kind of choose some questions that she wants to answer. And then I'm going to choose some questions that I want to answer. And obviously we'll both weigh in on, on all of these questions. And if you feel like your questions aren't being answered, it's one, probably because maybe we're not comfortable answering them or <laughs> more likely we feel like we've probably already addressed some of these questions in previous episodes. Um, and so if there are questions regarding maybe like homeschooling or our faith, or I can't think of anything else that we felt like, you know, we've already talked about, Mm -hmm. um, we just decided to kind of skip those since we feel like we've already talked to some of those issues in depth. Yeah. There's a lot of questions here, so we're just going to pick out some of the ones we want to speak to. Um, so this is the first question. How do you have a conversation when one of you is blind that an idea isn't best for the family? Wow. Yeah, I know. That's pretty big. Um, And I think that 
whenever I feel like Elisha might be blind to a conversation or to not a conversation, blind to a decision or something, I have to kind of consider that I might be the one that's blind um, because I have a certain perspective. He has a certain perspective. And if I want him to see from my perspective, then I have to be open to seeing from his. Huh. You know, that's what I would say. Like if you're coming at this from a complete angle of like, I am right. And the other person just thinks I am right. Then it's probably not going to go anywhere. Wow. Yeah. I think that that's probably like the initial mindset that you have to have and you want your heart to be in that place. But yeah. I could see, you know, potentially get into a place where you feel like your spouse, maybe you've, and this could become kind of sketchy, sketchy areas, sketchy waters, you know, dangerous waters. <laughs> I don't know. Um, because if you start going to other people, I think apart from your spouse, without your spouse knowing, trying to find counsel, that can really be divisive in your marriage. For sure. So Elisha I, and I, sorry, I cut you off. Well, no, I was going to say, I feel like this could come from a perspective of, man, me and all these other people know that my spouse is crazy with this decision. I've got all these people on my side. They see it from my perspective and we've got the, the odds are in our favor. You know, we've got the majority here and yet my spouse is still not seeing the stupidity in their <laughs> perspective. perspective. Yeah. So I think that is huge. Elisha and I personally, like we've decided for us, we don't go to anyone when we have a disagreement unless we've talked Unless we like commit committed to doing it to together, each other. yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless we like get the green light from the other person. Yes, I think you've done that before, so, where you yeah. really did not. I can't even remember what it was, but you didn't I agree with an area I was going or leading our family, and we weren't coming to agreement on it. And you asked my permission to go to somebody. Yes, and talk to them about it. Yeah, and often if it's like a really big thing then I would think we would go together. Yes. Um, there have been some things where we've considered going to talking to someone together and then they worked themselves out. Yeah. Um, so I think that's super important just to protect the trust in your marriage mm. and not dogpile. But also I think it's super important. Something that's helpful for me is Elisha and I are a team. We're always a team. We've talked about this before, but when I hurt Elisha, I'm hurting myself mm. or vice versa. And so when we're at odds with each other, our marriage is not as healthy as we want it to be. So instead of seeing your spouse as, you know, the enemy in a situation, a win when Elisha and I are disagreeing is when we come to a, con a conclusion, not when he sides with me. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? Like just cause you mentioned having people on your side right. potentially. And as soon as we start viewing marriage like that, it just becomes really divisive. Yeah. And Katie, you've been so good at really letting actually your mom's spoken to this concept I think on our podcast, actually. Yes, I know. Yes, I wish you knew was, what episode it was. Yeah, we sh you should find that episode you while talk I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk. Okay, I'll buy us some time while you're finding that episode no episode number. But Katie has done this very, in my mind, so graciously as well. And that's, she's let the the circumstances or she's let the consequences of my decision be what teach me the lesson rather than her. You know, rather than you saying, well, I told you so, or you better not do that or you'll regret it and kind of convincing me to not do something or to do something in order to appease you, you've been gracious enough to kind of go with the flow and then let me get to a point where I'm like, oh my word, like that was not a good idea and I have to live with the consequences. And again, it, I mean, your mom used an extreme example that she, you know, I guess did 
Yeah. Back when they were newlyweds or they were pregnant with you, their first. Yeah. Maybe you should tell that story. And my dad was my dad was financially behind my mom in the fact that he was kind of immature with how finances were and he didn't keep track of stuff at the time. And my mom would constantly nag him, I guess, because she was responsible about it and was like, Have you paid this bill? Where's our money going? You know? And yeah, I think can it's we afford this? easy can... for us to fall into that as wives. It's so easy. Um, just to start nitpicking at her husband's and they hate that. And she told her mom about it. And my grandma said, well, let the electricity turn off if he's not paying the bill. Let the electrical company teach your husband financial maturity. <laughs> and don't be the one to do it. And I think it's just so important, especially as wives. But it goes both ways that we want to be seen as like adults <laughs> to our spouse. And I think if we're micromanaging them or stuff like that, or trying to teach them, then they can fall into, you know, just feeling like a child and resent us yes. instead of le letting life circumstances be the teacher. Yes. And I don't think you've had to do that in such big examples. Cause I feel like <laughs> <No>. that, <laughs> I think it'd really be easy from a wife or a husband's perspective to think like, okay, well for the well-being of my family, my children, I don't want the power to go out. I don't want to be evicted. I don't. I. I want to be able to buy groceries, um, but you've done a really good. And those are big, big examples. And yet your mom still went all out in those things, and and she yeah, doesn't. She doesn't regret it. <laughs> my you mom was pretty incredible with that. Yeah, but I think you've uh, exemplified that in smaller areas. I think of like a couple nights ago, where I suggested going out to dinner with all the kids. Oh, this was last night on our last night road oh, trip. Oh, you're right. Home. Yes. Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, we should swing by and go get. We should get dinner at this one place. We are we had just gotten back into Bend, and it's funny because I was kind of joking because the kids were being so crazy and rambunctious in the car. I was like, "Man, the worst idea ever would be to like go to a sit down <laughs> restaurant and try to get dinner with them." But I suggested it, and I was acting totally serious because I was going to try to get Katie to kind of freak out, like I was being a punk, basically. Elisha. and Katie just like she kind of caught her composure. She go she like. I saw her like catch her composure and she goes, okay, if you want to go to dinner, like, I guess we could do that. She goes, you're going to have to like, the kids are probably gonna be rambunctious, but like, we'll have to take care of them. And basically she was ready to just let me live with the consequences of choosing <laughs> been some consequences. <laughs> yeah. Choosing to go out to dinner with my family. Um, and she's done that in other, other instances as well. Oh, that's sweet of you to say. That. And I think that, you know what, I'm thinking of one example too, where I feel like I did this I feel like you. you do it all the time for me. I just am not thinking of a good example. I think that example. one time when you wanted to buy that motorhome. Oh, yeah. And we've talked about this on an yeah. episode. Yeah, because I, really, I really did not want to do it. But you had done a bunch of research. You found the motorhome. And you had set up a time to go test drive it. And I think I, I could have easily been the party pooper and just been, set, you know, like put my foot down and be like, we're not buying this thing. Um but instead, we went out and test drove it, and you kind of came to the conclusion. We came to the conclusion together that it was not a good idea. Yeah, that thing was falling apart. <laughs> but seriously, though, Elisha does this all the time with my dreams. Um, and we've talked about just, you know, when your spouse dreams, and sometimes you're like, are you crazy right now? You know, that's really your dream. But Elisha lets me often just, like, see a dream through um, instead of stomping it out or raining on my parade. Hmm. So I think that's super helpful. Hmm. Um, and just going back to this question, how do you have a conversation when one of you is blind that an idea isn't best for the family? I think just come at it. I would want to come at it from the perspective of 
ultimately we want to be on the same team here. I would be open to compromise um, because I think of some of the biggest issues Elisha and I have disagreed on and we've ended up compromising them on them, even though I saw it very one way and he saw it very another way. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. All I know is I'm grateful for it, the way you handle all the times so that I've got really bad ideas. No, I was going to say, we definitely have our moment. Okay. We well, I've got a question ideas. here. I've got a question that I think would be fun to answer. Okay. And this is how do you motivate each other to read the Bible together? Do you have a routine? That's kind of the question with that. And then that's actually kind of related to another question. This is a different question, but we'll kind of answer both of them. This other question is, how do you challenge each other to grow in your faith? And this is something that it's so constant and there it's always, there's so much continuity in, I feel like our faiths and what we're learning. And I know that Katie and I, especially this week have really been convicted individually. I feel like the Lord's really been merciful and in bringing to attention independent, both independently in Katie and I's lives how much we've not been prioritizing the Lord in our yes. lives and our faiths. And I just, again, just think he's so merciful when he brings us back to himself before, mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully before our life gets too out of hand or our minds get too consumed with the world and we start being conformed to this world. You know, he's always just grabbing us, I feel like. And that happened this week to both Katie and I. And, um, and so I'm really grateful for that. And so practically speaking, when it comes down to, okay, we want to grow in our faith. We want to prioritize the Lord. We want to get into his word and spend time reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Then I know that Katie does a really good job of encouraging me to get up in the morning. And that is that, that the last thing that that is, is, is hounding me or being, being a pest and getting me up in the morning. Cause I've told Katie probably 480,000 times <laughs> that I want to get up early in the morning. I've told you many times. Yes. Yes. And so this is coming from a point of Katie knowing my heart and knowing my desire to be an early riser. And she knows that that's when I have the most intimate and uninterrupted time with the Lord. And so she really tries to accommodate that either by turning the lights off at nighttime so that we can go to sleep and deciding to maybe not watch a movie or to not read as late as we perhaps want to in the moment. And then she also does a good job of just encouraging me when the alarm goes off, I'll hit snooze or turn the, or I'll turn the alarm off and she'll just kind of whisper, you know, she'll roll over and be like, are you sure you want to keep sleeping? She goes, didn't you want to have a quiet time this morning? And, and again, some, for some reason, the way Katie does it, it's just not annoying. Like I'm picturing this from another person's perspective and be like, oh man, that'd be so annoying <laughs> to have that. It's so funny. I think it's because you, I know that you want to get up. Yes. I know that like you've told me so many times you want it. Yes. Um, But I think too on this, Elisha is so good at leading by example. And when I see him get in the word, that really motivates me to get in the word. And I think this can go both ways for spouses, but that's definitely the best way for me to feel encouraged is to see him doing it. And I think something that has been encouraging to me or a blessing is Elisha's never made me feel bad for those times that my relationship has been dry with the Lord or that he hasn't seen me up pursuing the Lord or being in the scripture. He doesn't tell me like, hey, Katie, I think you need to read your Bible more. Like he lets me come to that conclusion on my own. And that's just always, I don't know, it's, 
I feel like unconditionally loved <laughs> and mm. I never feel, um, like bad hmm. or guilty or like shame. Yeah. And wouldn't you say too, Katie, that I think since I don't think either one of us ever feel this heavy burden of guilt or shame when we're not in the word or pursuing intimate fellowship with the Lord. And a lot of that's because we don't view it as a burden or we don't view it as us trying to earn a righteousness before the Lord. Yeah. We genuinely like this week when we were convicted and the Lord brought it upon our hearts, we were, we felt like we've been missing out more than anything. Yeah. That's what it comes from. It's like, I'm missing out on just that refreshment yes. and that fulfillment yes, and all those things that come from spending time in God's word. It's our privilege to it be is. able to spend time with our creator. And it's our pleasure. And yes. it's, it's just such a rich way to, to live life. It is the life abundant mm-hmm. to be able to walk with the Lord on a daily basis in every moment. And I know that for the last couple of months, I've, I've, I'm, more confident than ever in the finished work of the cross mm-hmm. and of my righteousness before God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his atoning work. But I've really neglected, I guess, the opportunity to be with the Lord on a daily basis. I forget that he's alive and he wants to walk with us and be with us and that that Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I do nothing to acknowledge that. And, and so I think Katie and I have really both been convicted at the same time of that or come to the realization yeah. that that's been our current state. And so we're both just highly motivated. And, uh, and so practically speaking, yeah, like I wake up early mm-hmm. to get in the word or I think of even last night, you know, I'm, I love reading at nighttime when I go to bed, but ever since we had Louie, we've been, we haven't turned the light on in our room because he wakes up. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been able to read anything. And so I'll just go in bed and I've been having a hard time going to sleep because maybe it's because I'm used to reading or what, I don't know what it is. But just last night I decided to read the Bible on my phone. Like I, I don't like reading the Bible on my phone, Yeah. but I'd rather read the Bible on my phone than not read it at all when I go to bed. Um, and so I think that was just like something practical too, that I realized I can start doing, even though I don't have my normal nighttime reading routine. Yeah. I can, I can, I can compromise a little bit and read the less holy version of the Bible on my phone. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's another question. How do you make quality time without kids, and how often? How do you find sitters that you trust? So this was kind of a hard thing for us once my family moved out of town or just wasn't here as frequently because babysitters weren't, you know, so easily obtained. Yes. So I think it's just important that we prioritize what we value. And Elisha and I really value quality time. I really value it because it's oh, my love language. No, I mean, I know you're speaking for yourself, <laughs> but you can speak for both of us on that one. I really value quality time with you, especially date night. Are you kidding me? Yeah, date nights are so, so fun, fun for us. Yes. And I think it is so important, especially, I mean, you see the movies where the stereotypical parents have like three toddlers and they're like passing in the halls with like screaming dirty diapers. And I just think like... It's so important for us to be able to have full conversations and to value that time. Yes. And if we value it, we will make the time to do it and yes. uh, come or, up with the money to do it. Like, yeah. Or go to great lengths to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Like we have been broke and have still come up with times and money to go on date nights. Yep. And I just, I just don't think there's any excuse for not spending quality time with your spouse. If you want to create a relationship that stands the test of time. 
I don't know. I just think it's really important for our relationship personally. It is. And we've gone, it's not, we love doing a weekly date, weekly date night, but that's, that's ideal. Like best case scenario. Yeah. That's yeah. I'd say realistically it's twice a month. Yeah. I'd say it's twice a month. Yeah. I'd say we consistently go at least twice a month, which I'm grateful for. And we've had seasons when Katie's family lived in town where we would do a weekly date night. That was awesome. Yeah. It's the thing. It's like, you never gets old, you know, like <laughs> I'll go, fun. it's always fun. And like you said, yeah, I think that we have just prioritized this. And since we've prioritized it, even when we start making excuses and we hear ourselves say things like, oh, we're just too busy this week, or we probably shouldn't, we probably can't really afford it, or we can't find a babysitter, or there's no babysitters. You know, we've all, we've said all those things oh, yeah, out loud. Totally. And I think we always catch ourselves when we say those things out loud yes. because we know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And, and then we just like try that much harder to find a babysitter or to find the money. <laughs> and I do think too, like it doesn't have to be going out to dinner. It doesn't have to be leaving the house. Like we do prioritize quality time and the fact that we don't bring our phones into our bed. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we'll talk for hours in our bed. Yes. And that's really quality time. Yeah. You know, the fun. kiddos are asleep and we, and we can chat. So it doesn't have to be a date night either. Mm -hmm. Um, although date nights are really fun. And also just speaking on a practical tip for sitters, we found an incredible babysitter for our kiddos. Um, recently I'm bummed we're moving and I've only had her for a couple months, but care.com. If you're familiar with that site, it's awesome. Cause you can go in and you can, um, like just check out the back, like they're all background checked. Everyone on there, you can check their references. You can check with past families who have, you know, they've done jobs for you can, it's just like really in depth, I guess. And so I felt very comfortable with the gal that I hired, um, just based on her family and her experience and her faith and yes. stuff like that. And so for me too, sometimes it's helpful if you have a new babysitter that you don't know from Adam to stay in the house while they're getting comfortable with the kids or while you're seeing their MO, you know, yeah. like how are they interacting with your kids? Like I just went upstairs and worked upstairs for a couple hours and I was able to see Mason interact with Leon and deal with, you know, when he threatened her authority or gave her a hard time or, yeah. you know, all those different things. Yeah. And so when Elisha and I went out on a date night, I was really comfortable that she was able to handle the different situations and I was comfortable with how she handled the situations. Yeah. That's cool. That so, is cool that you were able to kind of ease into that, that new babysitter that we hadn't met before. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's pretty so, awesome. And I think we'll probably use that resource when we move. Yeah. Like even though we're moving up to being close to family again in Washington, I really want to find a babysitter as well up there. Mm -hmm. And so I think we'll use care.com again because yeah. it was just a really great experience. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Oh, I should find another question. Yeah, where's your question? Sorry, Elisha? I was slacking off here. Okay, let me let me see here. Okay. Do you have one? Uh yeah, I do. Sweet. What all right, wait. This is a I like this one. And okay. I think that you've I think you can speak to it as well. Well, let's Because you're it. so smart. <laughs> it is how do you balance spending time together and allowing each other to have breaks and the breaks is in quotation marks. So like alone time, I guess, or personal time. Yeah. We call it alone time. Alone time. Yeah. Um, so you just talked about having quality time and how we definitely prioritize that. But I think that you've really gone out of your way to prioritize. So I think just 
to give you guys to give you folks some context here. Initially, I valued alone time more than Katie did. Oh yeah, like if I had my druthers, I'd just piggyback on Elisha all day long. Who are your druthers? If I had like you know my ideal situation. But why do the druthers have anything to do with this? <laughs> I don't know. I think I heard my mom say that once. <laughs> I need to look it up and see if I'm using that word in context. Okay. But the point is, is I would be Elisha's shadow 100% of the time. And after we got married, I didn't see why he didn't like that idea. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is why I married you. So I could just like follow you into the bathroom and into the shower and into bed. (laughs) And he was like, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. Well, she's Mm, kind of exaggerating. Not really. But all those things definitely happened within the first couple months of our marriage. Where I would be going to like maybe go outside to go for a walk by myself or just kind of have a quiet. And we have a small apartment. So I'd be going to like the spare bedroom in our, in our apartment to have a quiet time. And you would just follow <laughs> me for just to follow me. Why like, would I, <laughs> I want to be anywhere but with you? Oh, yeah. And I would get my feelings hurt yeah, if you would leave. Or what would happen is Elisha wouldn't tell me. This happened a lot. You wouldn't tell me you needed alone time. So you would just say like, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. And I was like, great, let's go for a walk. Yes. And then he would be in a bad mood on the walk, but he wouldn't tell me why. And so eventually he got better because he thought it would hurt my feelings. Yeah. And eventually I started picking up like, you know, I just kept asking him like, what's wrong? Like, what have I said? What have I done? And he started to communicate. Oh, I, when I. Well, I told him, I said, well, you don't say I'm going to go for a walk. Say I need some alone time. I'm yeah. going to go for a walk. Like clarify right. what type of walk what it is. this time is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Cause I, I wasn't very fair in the way I communicated. <laughs> I don't know. That's for sure. I needed it to be clearer. <laughs> yeah. So now, you know, I think in a, in an ideal, again, going to like, you know, a weekly date nights are ideal. I think Katie and I would both ideally have like one free day every month where we both have, you know, like a 12-hour chunk that's uninterrupted from children or responsibilities or even media uh, for that for that matter. And I'd say we probably both get maybe like three or four a year. Yeah, I'd say three or four. And sometimes we'll do shorter free days. Yes. So like you'll take four hours maybe yes. and go somewhere. I think something that's helped a little bit is you have the drive time into work and that has back. Helped. It's like yes. 45 minutes or 30 minutes on both ends of the work day. Um, and I think that's helped. Yes. You have just a little bit of space before you come home and it's yes. me and the kids, but sometimes I don't know. How do you, I think yeah. like you just tell me now, like you're going to go to the coffee shop or you're going to. Yeah. And something. I think that I've gotten better at being really intentional when I do have alone time and I know what fuels me and gets me fired up for life. And it's not media, you know, it's not being on a computer or being on my phone. So I'll leave those at home and mm-hmm. I'll grab my Bible in a journal or I'll grab a book that I'm working through and I'll take a walk down to the river and get kind of out of town and take the river trail out of town. And that having a couple hours of that kind of time really gets me fired up. And I think Katie, tell me if I'm wrong, you've had to learn how to take alone time, but you do value it. Yeah, I do value it. And I didn't realize I valued it. Um, but I, and that was the thing too, is when we were married, Elisha went to work and I stayed home. Right. So I didn't realize I had a tons of alone time. Sure. And then I kind of smothered him when I had the opportunity. <laughs> um, now I have alone time most of the time every day during naps. Sure. And I feel like that 
that's really good for me. Yes. But sometimes Elisha will take all the kids and I'll get a project done or I'll take a nap mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you even enjoy when you unplug all together too. Oh yeah, where totally. You've, where you've gone to like your parents' guest house and just done something that's totally out of the ordinary of normal life. Yeah. Like really... more like a free day activity. Yes. Yes, exactly. Those are rare, but they're really helpful to reset for sure. Okay, so I have a question. How do you handle parenting criticism from family members? Wow, man, that's a great question. I think like we talked about this one a little bit before, and I do think it's always important to have humility. Elisha was saying that. He's really good at always bringing that up. It's important to have humility um, whenever someone's coming to you with any kind of criticism, cause sometimes there's some truth in it Oh, and yeah. it can be hard to hear. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. So I think when it comes to family, Katie and I both really admire our parents, mm-hmm. both sides. And we look up to them and re- and we respect them and our siblings and, and our siblings. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and they're wise people mm-hmm. and they're godly people. And so I think it really behooves us to take to heart their criticism not too deeply I, I mean the biggest thing you're i think like it's like a physiological response you know for humans to get defensive when people start to criticize i've got legitimately mad sometimes yes based off what people have said yeah especially when it's people that are close to you yeah totally yeah totally and i don't think that's a bad response to have as long as you you know if that's an initial an initial yeah. reaction but then before you you know, I do anything. Well, yes. and I talk about it and then we respond in a gracious way. Yes. I never want to react in the moment. Yes. Um, and act in that feeling. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Or speak while feeling that. Exactly. But I do think it's also very important to understand what your and your spouse's goals are for raising your kids, what you value, because even though Elisha and I love our parents and we respect both of them, we might have a little different value system or different comfort levels with certain things. And so... I think it's important to take everything with a grain of salt, obviously. And there have been some things we have changed due to criticism. And there have been some things where it's like, you know what? I get that. I get why you're saying that. But that's different than what we're going to do with our kids. Yeah. And I think it's totally fine to be really confident in how you're going to parent yes. your children. Yes. Because ultimately, like, we have the final responsibility before God for raising our kids, yes. not our parents. So we have to do what we feel is right. Yes. We are the ones that are going to be held accountable and that are going to have to answer for the way we raised our children. We can't blame it on certain outside pressure we felt yeah. from our parents or from our in-laws or certain criticisms that we got that made us feel insecure. Um, we're the ones that live with the decision. We have to make the decision. I love it. You know, for the longest time, I think I was scared to make any decisions unless I had like numerous people in agreement with me because of the proverb. And I should probably know this reference, but it's, I think it's in the Proverbs. It says in the council of many, there is safety. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, well, man, I need to have, I need to go to a lot of people and get their approval or get their, I guess, endorsement before I make a big life altering decision. But then I realized that that verse says in the council of many, there is safety, but it doesn't say that in the unanimous vote of many, there is safety, or it doesn't mm-hmm. say that, in the like-minded counsel of many, there is safety. It just says to get counsel, go and get multiple opinions, get multiple perspectives 
but then ultimately you have to make your own decision. That's interesting. I've never thought of it that way. And so I think that's really kind of empowered me to yes, seek counsel and then also hear counsel and hear criticism, even if it's brought to you in a harsh and maybe seemingly judgmental way, still have enough, you know, you call it humility, but I still just think it's like common sense self-preservation. Like I still feel like (laughs) Me listening to others is the best thing I can do for me and my family because I want what's best for me and my family. Mm -hmm. And if there's just like you said, an inkling of truth in some of this criticism, it would be so advantageous for us to take it to heart Mm -hmm. and to make changes. And as soon as I guess my ego gets in front of my well-being or my family's well-being, then that ego really needs to get brought under control. And, And so anyways, I do think that like you said, hearing counsel, hearing wisdom, and also knowing knowing what your vision is, knowing what your goals are, so mm-hmm. that you can know why you would or wouldn't take that counsel or take that criticism yeah. and apply it to your life is really important. That's good. Question? Where's your question? Oh, dang it, Katie, question. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> You're really putting thought into your answers. That's probably more important <laughs> than trying to find a question. I like. This will be fun to speak to. Uh any tips on starting small businesses and earning money via side hustles? That's fun. Yeah, we've done a lot of this. <laughs> we really have. Yeah, I mean, I can't say that we've made a ton of money with side hustles, but we've done a lot of side hustles. We've kind of made a ton of money. Yeah. Okay, it, it depends on what you mean by ton of money. Yes. But we've made a full-time income off of a part-time job. Yes, that's and very it's true. still... It's still going. Yeah, for the last three and a half years, you're right. Yeah, so I feel like that's Well, that's I guess valid. it's been a full-time income for about two years. Yeah. Yes. So we've done a lot of different things. And what are some tips? What do we have as far as tips, though? That's a good question. So I think that Katie and I have either started a side hustle business out of a point, out of from a place of really wanting money really wanting that additional income. Yeah. And I think Dave Ramsey talks about how much the difference of $500, 500 to $1,000 per month can make in the average American, like how much stress and turmoil that can alleviate in a marriage and in a family's life if they just had an extra 500 to $1,000. And I can definitely speak to that being the case in our life. You know, mm-hmm. that extra 500 or $1,000 kind of buffer is a huge deal for the peace in our home. And so I think we've started a couple different side hustles just thinking they were a good business opportunity and yeah. we wanted some extra cash. And we've also started a couple side hustles that were just passion projects mm-hmm. that neither one of us probably had any expectation of making money right off the bat, but knowing we would want to do the work. And if it turned into a business, then it would just be a, a score. And it just so happens that yes, they turned into money-making businesses. Yeah. And I would say like with every single one, there's a few things that they have in common, just as I'm like sitting here. And one of those is consistency, like every single business, whether it's, you know, we've done some businesses where they might be promoted as get rich quick schemes, Mm -hmm. you know, like for instance, network marketing Mm -hmm. that can get a rap as being a get rich quick, um, method. And really it's, it's not. Like you don't get rich quick, typically. Like it takes a lot of effort and consistency. And I think that with YouTube too, um, a lot of people get into YouTube thinking, oh, this is fun. You know, you can get tons of money for sponsorships. This is going to be great. And you have to be really consistent and put in a ton of effort over a long amount of time. Yes. And I think that with just about everything we started, honestly, 
it's like it takes a lot of work so you better enjoy it or have a really big pain point yes i think now since doing a few different businesses and having some success in some of them and less success in others yeah ditching some (laughs) yeah ditching some or failing whatever you want to call it um it's made me stop saying or stop thinking that anybody's gotten lucky and just gotten rich quick or they just struck gold because of a viral idea or a viral video I just don't think that that happens as much as people say it happens. I used to say that. I used to be like, oh, man, they were just at the right place at the right time, and they got so lucky, and they made their big fortune. Uh, But after doing these businesses, people are at the right place at the right time because of what they've been doing for the 10 years leading up to that place and that time. Yeah, totally. And so I think that, you know, there's so many phrases around this, but, you know, it's like the overnight success takes 10 years to create. Yeah. And it might look like, oh, someone succeeded in this business, you know, their first month they made this much money, but you don't see the time it took them to create those connections. You know, maybe they had a lot more connections or maybe they just had a lot more skill sets because they'd garnered them through different, you know, different things. So I don't know, but I just think that consistency is really important. Yeah. Either have a really big pain point or because one of our businesses we grew it because we had a really big pain point. We didn't enjoy doing the work. What do you say? Yeah, it wasn't the, the work itself wasn't very fun, no. but our pain point was that we really wanted extra income. Yeah. I thought like we were dead. Broke. Well, we were really broke and I was a bartender and yeah. we were just barely making enough each month to pay for our cost of living. Yeah. yeah, I was staying home. So that's kind of where I was putting in all my effort was yeah. on our side hustle. Elisha was doing it too in his free time. And so we had that pain point. Um, or do something you really, really, really love to do and would do for free. Yes. For us, that's YouTube. Yes. Like we just love making videos. We love connecting with you guys. We love talking to you. And so if we get a hundred bucks, it's like, woohoo, yes. we do it for free. We do it. And it's free. the same thing I think with writing our books. Oh, yeah. Or me making my children's album. Yes. Those are passion projects that we we would pay to do them. In fact, we are upfront paying to do (laughs) these things. We don't even know if they're going to make any money. And if we get our money back, then it'll feel like a huge win. I'm going to add one more thing, Katie, because I think those were some great points. But I think that you and I have identified in all of our pursuits at at some point, some some of these it took a little bit longer than others, but we identified the difference of money-making activity and then not money-making activity. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. it's so easy, for instance, with take, take YouTube to say, oh, I'm working this business because I'm making videos. Well, yeah, that, that helps, but you actually have to do more than just make videos to make money. And maybe YouTube's not the best example, but I know that I can speak from my, my well, okay, history. I would say, I would say making videos is the money making activity on YouTube. I would say like researching, like buying new lighting, buying better equipment, researching what other people do, taking forever to figure out keywords or tags or stuff like that. Going through a course, going through a course, reading a book, how to grow YouTube. Like all those things are great, but unless you're taking action, that's not going to give you any money. Going through a course on how to start a YouTube channel, buying the right lights, buying the right camera, getting the right, you know, I guess stage for your video. That's not money-making activity. Yeah. A lot of times it makes you feel like you're doing really good work because mm-hmm. you can spend hours and hours and hours. And sometimes it's necessary, but we've gotten to the point of knowing, okay, this is really good work, but we still haven't done one hour of money-making activity. And so I think that helps our expectations a lot more. Yeah. I think of two in our business with Neolife. Neolife is the health food supplements that we've used in our own family, my family, 
and Elisha's family have used them for like 20 years. Um, but when we started our business, we, that's kind of where we learned this Yes, because when we started, we were reaching out to people. We needed to have conversations in order to share about supplements yep. and make sales and generate yes. commissions. And it was so easy to read books on network marketing and to listen to podcasts, listen to podcasts, watch videos. Yes. Yes. And that's where do we research learned. on health and on health and nutrition. You yeah, know, study exactly. your products, know the science you could spend hours. You spend years doing all those things, but none of those things are money-making activity. Yes. Yes. So yeah, that was a really good point to bring up though. Cause I think now Elisha and I really hone in very quickly on what is the money-making activity and just start drilling our energy there and let the other things be side. Um, yeah. Cause the other things are necessary, but they just need to be built up over time. Yeah. Cause you need to educate yourself on a certain industry if you're going to go into that industry. Yeah. But just knowing the difference between educating yourself and then actually working in the industry to make money. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think it'd be fun to do a whole podcast actually on stuff like this. Yeah. I think it's easy for me to kind of discredit a lot of what we've done, but the more I'm thinking about the last three years, <laughs> we put in so much work we have. And we've, I mean, I'm really, really grateful with, I guess the, the fruit of a lot of these businesses, they've yes. really given us just such an amazing life and the Lord's had his blessing on it. I was going to say, yeah, the Lord is definitely blessed. I feel like we have been in the right place at the right time. He's brought the right people into our lives and the right, yeah, just people to help us out yes. so much. And he's continuing to do that. Yes. Um, so I don't think at all it's like, oh, I want to beat our chest. Like, look at what we've done. Like, we right. really haven't. We're just learning and growing and like business is still really new to us. Yes. But we know more than someone who hasn't started yet. Yes. <laughs> so maybe we could speak to that yes. person. Yes. And as much as it sounds like I just like bashed reading business books or what, like, no, do a ton of that. I, we do that all the time, but yes. just understand that that's not money-making activity. Yes. We love business podcasts, business books, any business seminars, business conferences, all those things are, are just so helpful. Yes. Okay. I'm going to do one more question. Is that okay? Yes. Okay. Uh, this one's a short one. When do you have time to podcast with three? Kids? Well, man, that's what we're doing right now. So <laughs> when we put the kids to bed. Yeah. Or sometimes in the afternoon, if Elisha has an off off day, I think, yeah, you just prioritize again what you value. And Elisha and I love to do this. Yep. Yeah. So right now it's 940. The kids were both, I mean, we put them to bed before eight, but they were probably weren't asleep until about 830. Yeah. And then we got the podcast set up. I mean, like the, you know, recording equipment and here it is 940 and we're about to wrap up recording and I hear baby Louie getting kind of hungry over there. Yeah, you're right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So we'll probably just wrap up there. I'm like scanning through more of these questions, but this has gotten kind of long. Yes. Thank you for your questions. Yes, everyone. totally. And I, I do wish every time we do a Q&A that we could answer all the questions because yes. they're really fun. And I think sometimes we get a little long winded on some of these. I know I feel bad, but no, don't feel bad. <laughs> but if you guys enjoyed this, if you want to leave a rating or a review, that would be awesome. Also something that helps get this podcast out to more people and more families is when you screenshot it and share it in like your Instagram stories or your Facebook stories. Yeah. That's super, super helpful. So if you did enjoy an episode, if you just screenshot it and share it, 
tag us and we'll share it in our on our instagrams right on guys thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next week bye-bye